Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of a law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. If you want to consider alimony, that is not going to be deductible by the paying spouse nor includable in income by the recipient spouse with the new tax law. Today I'm talking to Alan Huberman, who's a CPA and a partner with a firm in Newton called Blum Shapiro, which also has offices in Quincy, Massachusetts, Boston, West Hartford, Connecticut, Shelton, Connecticut, and Cranston, Rhode Island. So I want to welcome Alan to my Inside Divorce segment for today. Thank you. Alan, would you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before we get started on the topic of the new Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017? Well, thank you for having me. I'm a CPA, as you noted, and work for probably the largest regional accounting firm based in New England and service high net worth individuals, business owners, and help them plan and get through the intricacies of the laws, especially the new tax law. Right. Well, this is going to be an interesting big change in my world and probably a little bit in yours or maybe a lot in yours when you're doing individual tax returns in which the recent Tax Reform Act, it's called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, made alimony uh, non-deductible in the future. That is for divorce agreements starting in January of 2019. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the change and how it impacts your clients and my clients, particularly in my world of divorce, and how it might affect our negotiations and planning for our clients. Sure, it's a great question. I think that a lot of clients are going to be, especially the ones that are already divorced, that have been having the opportunity to deduct those alimony payments, particularly the recipients also that are paying the tax on that income. There may be situations where they say, you know what, we'd like to opt into this new law. And they can for other clients that are thinking about getting divorced, not having the ability to deduct alimony in the future, as you said, in 19 forward, also poses some potential planning opportunities for them. Um, I think it's about cash flow and understanding what it's going to mean to them under the new environment um, and the new tax law. Yeah. So let's just start from the beginning. Right now, alimony is deductible to the person and the federal tax return. Alimony is deductible for the person who pays it and taxable income for the person who receives alimony. And so child support, in my world, is not deductible for the person who pays it and uh, not includable taxable income for the person who receives it. So by elimination of the deductibility for alimony, they become the same. The same, effectively. That's right? correct. It's just transferring of, of cash, transferring of assets. So also in Massachusetts, we work with gross income. So when we're calculating child support, and in fact, when we're calculating alimony, we work with gross numbers, not net numbers. So this recent tax change will really have a big impact on the amount of dollars that transfer from one to the other in the category of alimony. And I'm just thinking, what's there's, if there's no distinction between alimony and child support anymore from a calculation point of view, or I guess from a tax point of view, then we don't need alimony, really, unless the children are all grown and emancipated, and then the, that payment is called alimony because it's not related to the children any longer. So that becomes the only kind of real distinction between them. Right, that would be correct. And I would think that would be a, a good interpretation of that. One thing to keep in mind, I believe, is that this new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act for the, these individual provisions uh, sunset at the end of 2025. So it's possible or even before that Congress could pass a law to make that change. But as you say, for now, this is what we're, what we're under. And you're right, if there is no 
tax effect to what's going on, then there's just less that we have to, you're right, it becomes almost one and the same. Yeah. So we're not, we don't have to make that distinction. We can if we want, but from a tax perspective. So child support doesn't show up anywhere on a tax return, right? On the, for the payor or the recipient. Correct. Um, so two things that come to mind. One is, why did Congress do this? Why was this necessary? Do you have any, any idea? So my understanding is that of all the taxpayers that filed tax returns that showed a deduction for alimony, less than 50% of the recipients reported the pickup of that as alimony income. Ah. And the IRS said, you know, we're losing a lot of money here. The oh, government's losing a lot of money. Not worth it. So we're just going to make the playing field so that it's not neither deductible nor taxable anymore. I see. Hopefully there's a piece of it. Got it. Well, that makes sense. So that meant the IRS wasn't really following up or matching those returns. Well, they were having a hard time matching them up. Uh-huh. Clearly, they weren't matching up every single return. Their resources are limited as well. So to the extent that they were able to do what they could do, they obviously determined that it wasn't working. So in a simplification, quote unquote simplification, just one thing they decided to remove. I see. Well, that makes makes sense. All that lost tax revenue. Right. Uh, the second question I had is, what impact might this have on Massachusetts and Massachusetts tax returns? It's possible, isn't it, that Massachusetts in this year could pass something that makes alimony deductible on the state tax return? It's possible. It's possible because it does follow federal law. So if federal law has removed the deductibility of alimony, then Massachusetts, I think, would have to step in and decide to do something obviously different. Yeah. Um, and I think it depends on maybe lobbying or who's you know talking about it more to see if that's something that could be could be adjusted. Right. All right, so let's talk about the act itself. Obviously, it's, it addresses a whole bunch of issues, including jobs and tax cuts for various tax brackets. So that's one of the main things that the Tax Cuts a Job Act does, but we're going to focus only on this alimony piece for today. So tell me what it says in layman's terms. So effectively, beginning in 2019, as you pointed out before, if you want to consider alimony, that is not going to be deductible by the paying spouse, nor includable in income by the recipient spouse. Um, therefore, as I said before, it's just simply a transfer of assets or cash. There's no tax consequences to the payments. Right. Now, the sunset provision of 2025, that expires then? So most of the provisions in the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, at least for individuals, are supposed to sunset at the end of 2025. Uh, mm-hmm. This may be one of those. Mm-hmm. And so, again, this could revert back, although I believe that this may be permanent. But again, permanent is always in quotes mm. because... A law can be passed to change that at right. any time. All right. So the, what does, since this new alimony change on deductibility starts January 1, 2019, what does that mean for 2018? So it means if a party is interested in getting divorced um, and executes their divorce agreement by 12-31-2018, they will still be able to take advantage of alimony being deductible slash income reportable to the recipient. That has to be executed and finalized in 2018. So executed, but not necessarily a court judgment, Correct. right? Yeah, unfortunately, there's always a delay between the signing of the documents and getting the papers into court and getting them approved by the judge, which results in a piece of paper called the judgment. Right. So I think sometimes that's those dates are going to be split by years. That's correct. And it does specifically say executed. Yeah. So that's helpful because we have control over when documents are signed, but not control over when the judge makes the decision correct. to enter a judgment. Right. And there's a provision which we were talking about earlier that we think is an opt-in provision. How will that work? So for divorces that were in effect prior to 1231.18, if a situation comes to 
fruition where the parties say, you know what, we'd like this new law to apply to us, meaning we no longer want to have it deductible slash includable as income, they can opt into this new law effectively by expressly modifying their divorce instrument and having the wording be such that they would like this new law to apply to them. Okay. So as long as both sides agree, they can opt into the new language. Although I can't imagine a situation that would warrant the opt-in. Can you? I think for our clients, less likely. I think that there are certain situations like anything else, but I don't think you're going to have a lot of people scrambling to say, I'd like to opt into this new uh, piece. It would also be then permanent for them. So, you know, I have to be looked at in a, in a holistic way to see if it really does make sense. Yeah. The other thing that strikes me is I, you know, just stirs up all sorts of thoughts about if a person is paying out, like they are now, paying alimony based on gross numbers and able to deduct that alimony compared to what will happen in the future alimony that's not deductible, which is going to be a lower dollar amount, I presume. Mm-hmm. In the end, when you taxify the first way and you don't taxify... Is that tax the effect. Tax effect. Sure. Thank you. The f- second way, because there is no tax effect, is it effectively the same number that's getting paid in alimony? Well, I think that's going to be part of the conversation. I would say most likely yes. And I think numbers are going to be run. Maybe that's where some of the planning comes in to understand, okay, if this is the legal amount that needs to be paid, let's talk about what the tax effect would have been and, and derive numbers that make sense then for both sides. Yeah. Obviously, if we're not paying income and we're not deducting it, there's got to be some number maybe where, where it makes sense. If everyone's in the same tax bracket, that's, I think, a non-issue. But when we have higher tax bracket being paid down to lower tax brackets, that's where the savings used to be. Yes. And that's where the, the numbers were coming into right. play. It's also a cash flow issue because now people are paying higher amounts, but they get the tax benefit later when they file their tax return. If they're paying a lower amount, obviously there's more cash flow. Right. So that's going to also that part of budgeting and looking at what that's going to mean for, for each party. Yeah. Right now in Massachusetts, the way to calculate alimony is 30 to 35% of the payor's gross income. Gross pre-tax income, I think. Yeah. Right. And it could be a little bit more based on need. There's also a need analysis. So that's not a fixed percentage, but those are the 30 to 35% of the percentages we commonly use. So with child support, we have child support worksheet that runs a calculation based on gross income numbers for the both parents, typically it comes out somewhere in the low 20%. So there's a big difference in how the resulting number is for child support and alimony. Right. I think it'd be a shock to some folks, you know, what they've known and what they've heard about and what they're probably expecting or thinking about as they're going through the process or even before they potentially come to you. And then to hear what you just said and to say, actually, we potentially have to throw that out the window and think about it a little differently. Again, it's part of budgeting, part of understanding what it's going to mean to them. Yeah and how to maybe negotiate it so that we're in a similar playing field as we were before. Yeah. It's also interesting because, you know, housing costs are high here, so it impacts the ability. You know, if, if the cash flow is less, then there's less for people to pay their housing expense. But that can be adjusted in some sort of property division in the case as well. So it, it gives us a lot of flexibility. We've always had a lot of flexibility, just encourages us to look at you know, the factors in a different way. Right. And as you said, it may not just be cash. It could be other property or other assets to help fill that void. Yeah. So, and also there's a concept here called unallocated support, which is often used and treated like alimony. But if there's no beneficial treatment to alimony any longer, then there may not be a benefit to using this unallocated support category. Right. It may just be a way of determining amount of assets that need to get transferred. 
yeah. to some extent mm -hmm. and then tax affecting them. Mm -hmm. But you're right, if there's no tax, that's just one piece of the puzzle obviously is understanding what the tax consequence is. And now if there's no tax consequence, that is a consequence, but there's other you know ways to think about it, as you're saying. Yeah, interesting. So how does it impact your work? I think we're gonna get a lot of questions. I think that we're probably gonna be asked to look at the situations and help evaluate them to understand what it's going to mean to the divorcing parties. Maybe if it's if it was all about economics, that might have a different result than than not. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be helpful for the spouse who's receiving the former alimony that no longer has to worry about estimates based on that income. Probably very happy. Um, but the flip side is, well, I'm not getting a deduction for that, and I would have lowered my income and my own estimates. So there's probably going to be some conversations around well, what does this all mean to to us, and you know, particularly for trying to you know, save as much as we can for the family as, as a whole yeah. and figure out how best to do that. I mean, clearly we would do that planning in the past and that would be a lot of planning. Now that kind of goes away. Yeah. I know there are lots of other provisions in this new tax reform act. Can you think of any of them that will actually offset the loss of this alimony deduction in a meaningful way? There's many things that are being taken away. There are some things that are being added and many things that are being limited. So for example, there's something called an excess business loss. So for individuals that have excess losses from their business, they are ultimately entitled to take. That's being capped and changed a bit. So they might be able to utilize some of that if it happens to fall in a same year that they're dealing with this. But alimony is usually paid over a period of time. And this may be some of those things that just affect them for a few years. Mm. But as I said, many of the provisions are supposed to sunset at the end of 2025. Yeah. So it's an eight year period that I'm not sure that there's gonna be something significant. Yeah. Although I think every particular situation is different and how recently it has to be looked at, but it's to your point about looking at it holistically and seeing what may help. Yeah. Irony, of course, for us Massachusetts divorce attorneys is that in 2012, there was a big overhaul of our alimony process when so there's Alimony Reform Act. And so that was really helpful. And now it's not so helpful anymore. <laughs> no, it sounds like that, you know, have to go back to the drawing board almost. Yeah. Yeah, obviously it wasn't anticipated that we would have this new Tax Reform Act in 2017. So we were just getting used to that 2012 Massachusetts Alimony Reform Act, and now we you have, have to, to put on a different hat it. and revisit it. That's Correct. right. It always takes a while for new cases to evolve and be decided to, so it gives us some guidance. I was going to say, and that's the other thing, which is the IRS hasn't promulgated a lot of guidance. The law has been printed, but it was kind of put together. And now there's a lot of questions about a lot of pieces of the law, some of which may affect, as you point out, is there something that may affect our client in a beneficial way? Some of those things may not be known right now. We may need more guidance and clarification on some of those items. And when will that happen? Anyone's guess. Yeah. Hoping sooner than later. Yeah. Well, so have you found many online resources to educate people about how the new alimony law will, will impact them? You know, there are, there are some resources, but there's not a lot. Most of them are... As we said, they're still coming out based on the passage on 1222. So for right now, I think it's a conversation with the professionals to kind of see what the law has said and maybe with more of an understanding of as things get discussed to be able to point to some purposeful resources. Because right now, again, there's just not a lot of direction. Not a lot of information out there. So this doesn't affect the 2017 tax returns that you're about to prepare. Most do not. That's correct. But for me, the questions have been coming in here as well. And I've advised all the new clients that have come in and, and existing clients from last year. And there's a certain sense of urgency to right. get things wrapped up in 2018. Correct. And to plan at the same time for what that next year might look like compared yeah. to what they just went through. Because yeah. it could be 
materially different for some of them. Yeah. It's been the most significant change in over 30 years. Um, and there's there's just a lot to, to process and to understand. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's worthwhile for folks to uh, seek professionals such as yourself and, and myself and others to make sure that they're not leaving things on the table and that they fully understand the ramifications to them. And if they don't know, they should try and find out because I yeah. think it's important. Because there are so many changes to this recent tax law, how do you actually implement them? You have software, I imagine. We do have software. We do try to understand the different pieces of it. We try and understand each client situation and figure out of the of that client situation, what are the pieces that may affect them. Many of these things will affect some clients, many may not. Mm -hmm. And every situation is different, no matter how closely aligned you think they may be. And so it's really just a conversation about you know, trying to understand the law in totality and, and remember those pieces that may uh, yeah. may affect. And as you said, yes, yeah, software does help. Yeah. Although the new tax reform act was only implemented in December 2017, I don't imagine you have the software quite yet. Huh? No, it's being worked on as we speak. Yeah. Um, but you're right, December 22nd, and hasn't been a lot of time since then. But actually, a month today. A month today. That's true. Well, you'll get it sooner or later, certainly Absolutely. in time for the 2018 tax returns. Absolutely. And how can people get in touch with you to ask questions about the impact on them? They can call me directly in my Newton office, 617-658-5220, or they can go onto our website and find my bio and email us. At Plum Shapiro. You got it. You got a great website. Take a look at it. Thank you. All right. Well, Alan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on Inside Divorce, and I look forward to working with you on the changes to the tax law. Same here. Thank you so much. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.